welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone in the ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy, hoy. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 9, Episode 5, which is titled A Hopeless Wound. The episode aired on October 31st, 2002. Happy Halloween, everyone, back in 2002. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? I just have I'm... to say, I just have to say that this is one of my favorite episode titles for no reason. It has no, like, it's it's not particularly clever or particularly, like, noteworthy or anything, but it is one of those episode titles that I'm always, like, obsessed with when I look at the, the show from, like, top down. When I'm looking at episodes that are coming up, this is one that for some reason always catches my eye. And I just, I may not be a top five episode, but it is definitely a top five episode title for me. All right, then. But that being said, headlines 21 years ago, legendary Irish actor Richard Harris, best known to millennials for his role as Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies, dies at age of 72 due to complications of Hodgkin's disease. Fellow Irish actor Michael Gambon took on the role of Dumbledore for the remaining six Harry Potter films. I need you all to know that I better know Richard Harris as King Arthur from the musical Camelot, because my mom and I would watch it all the time. Of course you Anybody do. else? Anybody else? Fuck you, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for this today. I'm losing my mind. Also in unfortunate news, Jam Master J, part of the famous rap hip-hop group Run DMC, was shot to death at the age of 37 in his recording studio in Queens. God, it's just bummers today, Lizzie. Yeah, still an unsolved murder, by the way. Yeah. Despite several, like, amateur deep dives as well as police investigations. Like, there's been multiple, like, TV specials about it. It's, it's another one of those uh, things that, like, your perspective changes a lot once you get into the, the your 30s. Let's just put a, let's call it what it is. Uh, because, like, I always, everybody seems much older than you when you're younger. Uh, but, like, Run DMC, especially by this time, felt like a an old rap group like you know run dmc by the time the early 2000s came along run dmc felt like they were ancient and they were like 20 years old at that point so well, right but like to think that like one of the the key core members of the group was 37 when he was mm-hmm. killed and was by all considered but by all pop culture considerations was considered a dinosaur is pretty wild And as Daniel spoiled in last week's news segment, the Anaheim Angels defeated the San Francisco Giants in the 2002 World Series four games to three, earning the Angels their first ever MLB championship. And I don't know why I just had trouble reading. And moviegoers believe that the scariest thing to watch in cinemas over the weekend before Halloween is Johnny Knoxville and friends injuring themselves in increasingly complex ways. As Jackass the movie debuts and beats out fellow newcomers, the ring and ghost ship for the number (laughs) one spot at the box office. Everyone's favorite movie, Ghost Ship. We love it. (laughs) 10 out of 10 movies we gave the review. Somehow I didn't realize the ring... Um, and Ghost Ship came out at the same fucking time. Well, that's because one had tremendous, uh, one had tremendous social impact. Yeah, uh, and the other one was Ghost Ship. And one uh, made twenty five million dollars on its opening weekend, and the other one was Ghost Ship. <laughs> oh, but Jackass though, like Jackass the movie, like I've watched that movie a lot. <laughs> like, and it w- I've I haven't seen it in probably 
15 years. Jen, Jen and I were having this conversation the other night. I don't remember why. I don't remember what we were talking about that led to it, but we were just talking about how, like, Jackass is the perfect thing that no matter where you are on the intellectual how, – how no matter how intellectual you think you are, there is some some twisted part of you that enjoys Jackass on some level. doesn't have to be that you love it doesn't have to be that you are enamored with every second of it but you will find something in that 90 minutes that movie is playing or or one of the you know many sequels that like you'll find something in there that cracks a smile i don't think i've ever watched jackass and i don't know if it's making the list uh i don't know that it's worth making you could watch a highlight reel on youtube and get get the gist of it you know yeah but it's basically a it's basically a 90 minute live action wiley coyote cartoon like they basically just yeah. find increasingly ridiculous ways to torture themselves some of it it's the perfect movie to skip around because there are some parts of that movie that i to this day cannot watch like the paper cuts thing can't watch it nope 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 cannot no, watch it it's not nope just can't do it uh and, like there's just certain things that like you just know going in that's not for me and is they, this the one where uh what's it steve-o snorts the whole thing big thing of wasabi yeah he does he does uh wasabi snooters he calls them. Oh! yeah he, he, yeah. he snorts lines of wasabi like they're cocaine uh vomits oh! immediately it's horrifying it's great um, oh! <laughs> but, yeah so yeah it's just i don't know it it's it's it speaks to like the worst most voyeuristic parts of our personalities as human beings uh but i can't look away and like and and granted there's a lot of tragedy with it when it comes to jackass but there's also a lot of triumph as well. Like, you know, Steve-O has turned in, turned out pretty well. And it's it, and even Johnny Knoxville, brain injuries notwithstanding, uh, has also seemingly turned out pretty well. And so, like, there's just, like, I don't know. I have a weird soft spot for Jackass that I can't quite get over. Did, did Bam Margera's shit come out of Jackass? Because I remember them being at, like, the same time. Yes. Viva yeah, Bam he was, and all that. He was, he was part of the, the core group and he was he was sort of pegged as like the breakout star of that show Mm -hmm. where he was like pretty much that this is how fucked up and different things were 20 years ago is that everybody looked at it from the top down and they went all right we have two major breakout star potential people here johnny knoxville maybe the third he he had the most mainstream appeal that's why he got to be a real actor for a little while but they they looked at it from the top down and they went steve-o and bam steve-o is gonna self-immolate in the next five years so we're not going to give anything to him so we're, we're going to make bam the star of the show and uh that's why he got the whole like viva la bam thing and then it's it's particularly sad given current day stuff uh, i believe as we're recording this uh bam margera is on a fifty-one fifty hold in uh california uh so things are not going great for him these days um but like i said steve-o he was able to get sober that's a complete tangent and i promise we will shut up about jackass and move on but like uh if you've never watched it the document the mtv documentary on steve-o steve-o getting sober is fascinating it was all all, it's all like uh handheld camera footage of uh him when he was fully in the drug in the drug deal like scene like he was he was doing like crazy shit he was doing ketamine he was doing uh nitrous like the with the whippet with the whipped cream cans he was fucked up and there's a whole documentary that mtv did about uh him the jackass crew holding an intervention for him and like him getting sober and stuff and he's been sober ever since that's awesome yeah good for him really positive dude so 
Okay, y'all are going to laugh at this, but I finally... So we live right by a concert venue in Chicago. One of my friends and I were walking home. He lives right by me. And this has to do with whippets, I promise. And we were talking and he goes, God, I love how you can tell when it's been an electronic artist who's come through here because of all the balloons on the ground. And I'm like, Uh... what? And he explained it to me and I was like, I feel stupid. I thought people were just having like birthday parties (laughs) at the diner. That's such a delightfully Lauren sentiment. Like, I never would have immediately gone, yeah, people were doing whippets. I would have been like, oh, somebody left, somebody popped their balloons. Uh, like, you are such, you are such the the mom in Edward Scissorhands, like, driving the, driving the weirdo to the concert to do the bad stuff. Like, just blissfully unaware. Make good decisions. Like... I was just like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Like, it just <laughs> those electronic kids—they love their balloons. No, Granted. I didn't even con- I didn't even connect it to the concerts. I just thought like, because there's a diner next door, and I thought, oh maybe like somebody had a birthday party and they popped their balloons, whatever. I just it just never even occurred to me. Oh yeah, we no. live right by a concert venue. Of course, kids are doing drugs. It's probably it's probably a twofold thing. Like they're probably doing it for the whippets, but they're also probably you know doing mushrooms and Molly and shit, and they probably just really like how the balloons feel. Like, that could be both. It's a, yeah, it's a texture thing too. Very easily, but yeah. So that's that's the Lauren is naive uh, moment for the day. With that being said, Dilemma by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland is the number one song once again. Daniel, dear God, we're thirty minutes into this. Just kidding. But what else was on? <laughs> oh boy, what else was on at eight p.m. Friends with the episode the one with Phoebe's birthday dinner at eight thirty Scrubs with the episode My Big Brother at nine Will and Grace with the episode It's the Gay Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Uh, at 9.30, uh, Good Morning Miami with Kiss of the Spider-Man. This week's episode had 23.5 million viewers tuning in, directed by our very own Laura Innes, doing her fifth out of 12 as a director. Uh, last time we saw her was If I Should Fall from Grace from last season. Uh, and written by the team of Julie Hebert, doing her first out of four as a writer. Other shows that she was uh, either a writer or producer on include American Crime, Numbers, and Man in the High Castle. Uh, she was also producer on ER through 2005, even though she only jumped in and did five episodes uh, or four episodes as a writer. Uh, and written by uh, Joe Sachs, doing his 16th out of 35, and the last time we saw him was the season eight finale, Lockdown. And this episode has a dedication at the top of it. To Gandhi Bob Arroyo, uh, who I, through a little Googling, uh, discovered was the makeup, the original makeup artist on the show, uh, who passed away uh, in this month, October of 2002. Couldn't find a cause, uh, cause of death, but uh, you would assume probably, given his age and everything, probably some kind of illness. Um, he is who I believe, and I can't remember if it was in our interview with him or if it was a story he told on the reunion um, but Noah Wiley tells the story about the original makeup artist on the show being a very old school makeup artist, old school Hollywood makeup artist who would cake uh, stage makeup on him and George's faces uh, to like the point of ridiculousness. He's like, and they would go around the corner from the makeup trailer to the bathroom and wash off all the makeup that he had just spent. 30 minutes and i distinctly remember noah saying again i don't know if it was him talking to us or if it was on the reunion but i distinctly remember him saying can i tell this story yeah he's he's dead i can tell this story i think it was us i'm not i don't want to fully take credit for it but i think it was us also daniel thank you for grabbing this lizzie and i were both like should we put this in here nah daniel will get it 
I'm on top of it. But yeah, we appreciate so you. It, it, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I need to find out the backstory behind this. And then once I looked it up, I was like, oh, I, imme- oh, yeah. I immediately remembered that Noah Wiley story. All right. Well, with that out of the way, our previous sound was brought to us by Luca. And we opened the episode with Lizzie is working on with surgical students on Halloween. Again, you do not need to know these people's names. No one cares. You will not see them after this episode, I believe. Nope. Yeah. Dick so, all. Exactly. One has short hair. Okay. Fun. Yep. Um, but she's getting ready to head home, and she mentions Mark when discussing Halloween costumes. Oh. Uh, and Romano is looking for her, and her new student, uh, Paul Nathan, needs to talk on why he didn't show up. I also want to point out for the timeline, right here we are noted it's 5 p.m. as she's getting ready yes. to head out. Which is, uh, I don't think we need... Like they they do this a few times throughout the episode to let us know that time has passed, but like I I don't know that I, it really plays that much into it. I think it's more for the sake of what's gonna go on. I don't I like I don't want to with Don Cheadle's character in the notes. I struggled so hard is what you refer to him by because I'm like, is it Nathan? Is it Paul? Do we just mm. go by Don Cheadle? So like that's gonna be a fun one for you to search if we're looking this up. <laughs> but with his character, I'm like I'm wondering if it's. To show the timeline of kind of yeah how, how long, long he's there and like and how long he's gone how about things his progress yeah that's the only thing I could think of for why it would be important here fair but with that being said uh, Carter shows up dressed in a skeleton costume and everybody laughs at him Abby is dressed as a quote nurse this is gonna be a through line for the episode everybody making fun of her uh, it's a retro nurse costume so of course now everybody we think of it as the naughty nurse costume. But um, they're like, oh, she's like, they thought everybody else was going to dress up. Nobody fucking did. So they just look stupid. And they're like, Frank, come on. Why aren't you in the holiday spirit? And he goes, I don't observe pagan holidays that celebrate devil worship. And I fucking <laughs> love Frank. Like, it's such an iconic line read from him. I yeah. wish we had I wish we had gotten to pick, like, our favorite Frank lines and had uh, Troy Evans say them when we were all interviewing because I would have loved to just have a just have a, a revisit. Just be like, excuse me, Troy, can you come back and just do this for us for five minutes? Don't make it special today. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, given that we're in the midst of all this union chaos, I think if we have him do line reads, I think, oh. I think we have to pay him scale. So. <laughs> oh, that's like a very good point. Um, I would love to if I could. Um, but then Chuni and Luca are arguing about her questioning him in front of a patient. God, don't do that. Um, And he's like, you can, just don't do it in front of patients. Great, whatever. Uh, Luca makes fun of Abby's nurse outfit. Susan then calls her a naughty nurse. And Luca goes, are you... I hate Luca this episode. I'm just going to start right there. He's on my shit list, you guys. But he's like, are you supposed to be a slut? A whore? A tramp? And, like, just all these synonyms for... Yeah, how you you say a a slut? (laughs) (laughs) And And then, uh... She Some says it. I know, but then she claps back with, oh, maybe I should have worn the schoolgirl outfit you bought me and walks ooh. away. And no, it's not even an ooh. It's ev- And everybody at the admin is just kind of judging Luca. And he goes, what? It was a joke. <laughs> or like, like, what are you looking at? And it's just like, <laughs> pervert. Yeah. Well, let's go up to wherever the hell they do surgery on animals. In the um, OR. That's in, clearly is, the OR. Is this a normal oh, yeah. OR? It's not like a practice room or anything nope, like that? Nope, that's the okay. OR. All right, well, let's go up to the surgical floor then, where Amano is practicing one-arm surgery on a pig. Cautery? Robert? What are you doing? Laparoscopic cholecystectomy? 
But you can't be. No choice. This poor swan is full of stones. Oh, for heaven's sake. It's a pig. Well, I hope you're not expecting me to scrub in. Uh, just give him my right hand to work out. It's been five months. So I gotta keep my skills up, stapler. Though even with one arm, I'm a better surgeon than the rest of the hacks in this hospital. Robert, you're not clear to do surgery, even on barn animals. Were you aware that Weaver put through a proposal to hire PAs to cover afternoon rounds for post-call surgical residents, Grasper? Yes, I thought it was a very good idea. Not the point. Point is, nobody talked to me about it, and last time I checked, I was still ahead of both surgery and this hospital. The residency review committee. Oh, sweet Mary and Joseph, will you look at the size of that gallbladder? Jeez, you could feed a small Amish family for a week with that thing. Look, I know Weaver's been forming alliances with some of the tribal elders while I was recuperating, but I would have expected a little bit more loyalty from you, Lizzie. Robert. Just rewrite the proposal as if it were generated from us and keep me abreast of any other covert Weaver ops, okay? The last thing I need is Matahari leading a palace coup. There's a lot to unpack there, and I love yeah. all of it. I did not want to get the... The, the pig screaming. That, the pig screaming and the chaos that ensues. Is, that, what, that, was, I, see, was I imagining things, or was the pig's tail CGI? Like very bad no, 2002 no. CGI. Like it. I, I couldn't to tell. To me, there, because they, they, it's a tight shot. That you know they don't do the wide shot on the pig for anything but like they for everything but the tail. It's a wide shot, and then as soon as they zoom in on the to let you know that the pig is about to, you know, freak out. They do zoom in on the tail, and to me, it just looked very like two like PS2 cutscene like I, tail. I didn't notice. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, granted, I didn't notice it was Lizzie's father in that other episode, so I can't be counted on for shit. Fair enough. Um, but I did not notice a CGI tail. But no, I love how but he's yeah. like, Carrie's For staging miles. a coup. You need to fucking keep an eye out. I'm still the boss. Blah, blah, blah. Trying to get, ba- trying to get back on his horse. That, or his pig, as it were. That fucking line. Just, he could feed a whole Amish family for Amish a family week. for a week. <laughs> that is one of my favorite uh, Romano lines. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, and uh, it's a perfect, perfect way to segue into the intro, which, of course, as you might imagine, with a squealing pig, we go in with bangs. Uh, we come out of the intro. Romano is working with uh, his what we assume is his surgeon. You know, it's it's never really made 100 percent clear, uh, but a doctor who is checking on his, you know, range of motion and all that good stuff. And the doc kind of breaks the uh, the difficult truth to Romano that it's not likely that he will be able to operate again even in his current condition uh, even with physical therapy which is going to be a tough pill to swallow and kind of a, a theme throughout this episode is him coming to terms with all of that and it's uh, it sucks uh, his doctor here is played by actor Christopher Grove who appeared in stuff like Mindhunter, This Is Us and How to Get Away with Murder and apparently this is his second of four appearances he was also apparently in the season 9 premiere and we just lost him in the shuffle it's a very chaotic episode so I'm not surprised um, but I did want to mention it since we'll be seeing him at least a couple of more times um, but we then uh, go and see for the very first time uh, on screen in this episode one Mr. Don Tiberius Cheadle has arrived uh, the hell yeah is he the first War machine man I was gonna say is he the first member of the MCU that we've had uh, as I think part so. of the show I, I mean no so. Leslie Leslie Bibb was on the is Leslie Bibb in the MCU yeah she's in she's in Iron Man 2 along with Don Cheadle which one's Leslie Bibb uh, she's Harkins. the reporter or she's yeah, in Iron Man right. 1 oh yeah you're right, the, you're right. the yeah. reporter that Tony Fox yeah. okay alright well uh, that's so... what he does <laughs> Paul Nathan uh, is played, of course, by actor Don Cheadle, who is best known for stuff like Crash, Hotel Rwanda, yeah, the MCU, uh, and the movie that Jake is 
never going to get tired of hearing about Volcano. Yeah, uh, we're going to do a movie review on gonna do... Hell or High Water. <laughs> we are probably going to do it at some point because uh, we, we got two connections. We must keep the memes uh, flowing, much like the lava in that movie. Uh, and he is making his first of only four appearances, which I was uh, very shocked to see that that's all we get. Uh, can I throw something out here right now before it even becomes an issue in eight week in twenty weeks? We cannot vote for Don Cheadle for best as, guest, as star. guest star. All right, we'll see. I don't know because like, he's so fucking you. good. I'll I will spoken, like make the doc so Daniel so nobody say, can beat me to it. I was it. gonna say spoken like the person who's usually last to the doc. Uh, uh, I try. <laughs> anyway. I, <laughs> Uh, and I like that his first interaction here is with Romano uh, when they jump into the elevator together and he <laughs> asks him what happened. He, he looks over, sees Romano's like robo cast that he's working with. Like his like, it's not really a cast. It's not really a splint. It's just like this like mechanical metal wire thing. That's like a cage around his that's supporting his fingers. And yeah. Stuff. And uh, so he looks over at it and he says, what happened? And Romano without even looking over at him just says tennis elbow. And, <laughs> Romano is Lauren watch out watch out you might have similar things to Romano happen I might lose my arm by a helicopter and get it sewn back on if I'm not careful with my rock climbing exactly that's exactly what can happen Romano much more common than you think Romano is 10 out of 10 this episode I just want to oh my god right now I absolutely you know I say this almost every episode but I'm like god I wish we had been at this point in the series when we had talked to Paul McCrane because I feel like, yeah, we got some really good conversation with him, but I feel like having this flavor so recent in our memories yeah. would have gone a long way to, you know, appreciating some of that a bit. Yeah, more. and I feel like he yeah. he at least touched on this era of the character yeah. at least somewhat, 100%. and and I liked kind of his take on it or his opinion on it is that he felt like there was a lot more you could have done with this era of the character yeah. and and seeing the early returns on it, I think he's right. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be, I think we're going to get to the early parts of season ten. Um, and we're going to be like, damn, they left a lot of meat on the bone with that character. Like, there was a He's, lot of stuff they could have done. You can already see him. This is a terrible, pardon the phrase, but you can already see him doing some really heavy lifting with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's he's really flexing at this episode. No, this is this is the, epi- this is the episode that really sets the tone, pardon the <laughs> pun. But, like, it sets the tone for the rest of his character yeah. arc. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but our first trauma rolls in, and it's going to be the first of many because there was a fire at a Halloween party with at least 30 victims. Uh, Amy is the first girl that comes in, and Susan's having... Are we just going to say Nathan? Nathan, was with, everybody else goes by surnames for the most part, so we can just use Nathan. It felt weird to put Paul... Yeah, he he's the yeah, weird he's the weird sort of... It makes me think of, uh, it makes two, me think of Paul Two Sabriki. first names. Yeah, the two yeah. first names thing is weird. You can yeah, always just say... Think of Paul- Go ahead. It makes me think of Paul Sabricki when we talk when we say Paul. You so. can also just say Don Cheadle. Whatever. We'll know who we're I'm talking not... about. Yeah. Oh, and Parkinson's man. Uh, no. T- no, absolutely <laughs> fucking not. That's that's where I draw it. Nope. But Susan has War Machine work on a patient. Uh, patients are crowding admin asking questions like you do when there's 30 patients coming in. But it, fire. but at least they have the triage area now, so they can only be in the front area. Hey. So that helps. Um, but then a man comes in asking for his partner, Terry, who was dressed like a jungle girl. Uh, this 
This man has a rubber mask melted to his face. The only time this episode that this is able to be done is whose films are those? Guys, we really need to stop having me prompt my own thing. Uh, and Romano... I'm sorry. As this is happening, Romano can't get the Krite kit open when Lily bumps into him and damn near causes him to pass out from the pain. So he kind of masks and is like, I'm going to go I'm going to go observe and check on other people. I can yeah, as someone who has bumped broken bones mm. on things, like remember when I broke my arms, mm-hmm, kiddo, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm a clumsy person mm-hmm. and I would regularly bump like the door frame mm. or my desk or a chair, the couch the couch could the couch arm not great and just lots 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 of pain as somebody who you know had again like nerve nerves that were cut nerve shit uh, nerve yeah. shit that were cut and then like re- you know reattached and you know whatever so like went through a period of like not being able to feel anything and then slowly over time regained some of that sensation let me tell you when your nerves are like waking up after a period of inactivity or like in uh, uh, insensitivity, that shit yeah. is painful. And any little like stimulus on that is a nightmare. When I when I cut my thumb and they had my hand in a they had it in like a plaster cast wrapped around with like gauze cast. I was having so much like pain at the incision site from the nerves that when they finally took the cast off. I had shattered the plastic or the plaster part of the cast from flexing so hard to try to like mitigate the pain in my thumb. I had actually broken the plaster part from inside the cast. So it's not fun. It is not fun. I I could totally yeah. sympathize with Romano here where it's like when you're when you're in the midst of your nerves learning how to feel again. Knitting back together. Every little sensation is like magnified times a thousand. It's also, like when a body part, like when a body part falls asleep, and then yeah. like that period, like just after you get regain sensation, you can feel everything. When you, when you have super TV, painful. when you have TV static in your uh, in your feet. Mm-hmm. I just need to say the physiology of like nerves and like nerve pathways and stuff is fucking crazy to me. It is. Like it's wild. Just. Yeah. Anyway, um, but Romano then goes to observe, trying to feel useful without being able to be hands-on. You can tell this is really stressing him out. He's really frustrated that he can't actually do anything because everybody already is doing what he would suggest. Mm-hmm. So we then go over to see Abby and Carter working on a little girl with severe burns. Uh, she's 80% burns. Just 80%. I don't feel like we see much more of her, but it's a real bad fucking day for everybody. And I should say, um, yeah, so one thing to note, I'm looking at the notes and I don't think we mentioned it, is um, this was at an apartment building. So it's not just the party itself that had burn victims. It was like people within the building. Right, the whole building. Like just residents. So yeah, like this little girl wasn't at the party. She was just an unfortunate um, collateral. (sighs) With that being said, uh, Nathan introduces himself to Corday, and Corday's like, I'm not going to take excuses. You were fucking late. Uh, he's like, well, did you read my letter? And she's so frazzled that um, she gets a call that Ella's sitter has to go. Lizzie says for uh, the sitter to drop Ella off at the ER and tells Nathan, just go work up patience, make yourself useful. Like, this letter keeps getting asked about, and it's clear that Lizzie has not given a fuck to bother with it. Aye, aye, aye. You're right, I haven't. There it is. It's your, Lauren, it's, your, it's your turn. Lauren ripping off her headphones. I didn't rip them uh, off. Your turn. Uh, uh, but then we go to 
potentially the most, maybe not the most upsetting victim, but like it's the uh, the 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 titular patient, shall we say, the one who has a hopeless wound is <laughs> what? There you go. Lauren now has has ripped off her headphones. Um, but. Yeah, this guy's got a leg infection. Uh, is a rapidly spreading infection, so they have to... Uh, do we even mention him? No, because he's so in passing at the beginning. Like, Okay, well, like they, like Don Cheadle had before had um, marked like the infection on his leg, and then when he comes back to check on the patient, he's like, your infection's spreading. And he looks at the x-ray, he's like... Oh, no. Holy... Oh, no. And he immediately flags... Immediately flags down Romano... And is like, hey, no, there's there's free air in here. Like this guy is like, and it turns out, yeah, it turns out he uh, has necrotizing fasciitis, which I believe, which is I believe they say he got it. from hiking or something. Yeah, which they is, were out like out being outdoorsy. Who the fuck is yeah, hiking so. on Halloween in Illinois? Is my question. It could be. It could, it's still not like cold, cold. But just at like, that point, you know, you could when still I think be... hiking, I don't think Illinois first of all, and I there's, certainly if you go... don't think Illinois in fucking Halloween. Well, and if I you also go out to the suburbs. There's plenty of nature preserves everywhere. I also think if they'd been hiking and this happened, they would have been to so many area hospitals before they would have ever gotten to fucking county <laughs> downtown Chicago. Yeah. Also, yeah. Go ahead. Maybe they just noticed the infection when they got home entirely possible. Who knows? Anyway, but yeah, so uh, it's time to theoretically, uh, potentially amp- amputate, but they're going to try their best to save his leg. And the girlfriend, his girlfriend is very recognizable. Yes, she is. Uh, although I did not catch it when I uh, was watching, uh, but I w- did catch it in the cast notes. Uh, the girlfriend here is played by actress Katie Sackoff, who appears in stuff like Battlestar Galactica, Halloween Resurrection, and is, uh, let's, let's state for the record right now, the only person in the history of the show that uh, Jake uh, has a helmet of this person uh, that he bought at Disneyland, uh, Miss uh, Boca Raton herself uh, from The Mandalorian. Boca Raton. <laughs> Bo-Katan Kreese in The Mandalorian. The Mandal- Nerd. And The Clone Wars. Nerd. Star- yeah, and Star Wars The Clone Wars and Nerd. Star Wars Rebels. Nerd. So, yeah, I, I was... Uh, she, which I feel like she does have a very like recognizable oh hey it's that person kind of face mm-hmm. in the Mandalorian and like other stuff I've seen her in I did not clock her the first time I watched this up like when I watched this episode I... through for notes I was like she I knew she popped up in the show at some point but I didn't know it was this patient in this episode I she definitely has a very distinct face sorry Lauren I keep cutting you off I apologize that's okay it's my work week anyway I I definitely um. No, like, I was like, who the fuck is that? And Lizzie goes, oh, Katie Stackoff. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Also, Jake has recorded on video with us in that helmet to be funny. But I didn't get a picture of it, and I really wish I'm I did. I'm so mad at you. That would have been a great emoji for Daniel, the Discord server. You had one fucking job, Daniel. I tried. I tried. You uh, could honestly just clip out a picture of that helmet and say it's Jake in the helmet. True. No one would know. It's entirely possible. Uh, in any event, uh, we then see Nathan and Lewis getting a proper introduction. Uh, she. I don't know why I didn't put Susan. Uh, you, you were on a surname tip. Uh, I, I'm here for it. Uh, she asks if he's coming along, and he, this is where we find out what Nathan's deal is uh, that will be kind of the crux of his four-episode arc. And he says uh, that it takes him a minute to get going sometimes because I have Parkinson's disease. 
And this is kind of his, for, for better or worse, this is his defining character trait and the thing that will, you know, kind of, when we get to the end of this four episode arc, it's going to be the thing that, you know, defines the whole arc. And I want to address it right now, like something that was brought up in the listener responses towards the end is like, how do we feel about this now? Because like I, Don Cheadle's guest arc on the show, A, thought it was longer. It's not. B, thought it came later. It doesn't. Uh, and C, like, I, I have a very positive memory of it. Like, I have a very positive memory of his time on the show in that it's, like, very well done. And he is, you know, not that it's a positive story because it's, it's obviously right. a, a bummer. But, like, that he's he, he does it very well. And, like, it, it really – and he, he gets uh, an Emmy nomination behind this. Um, so, like, it, a lot of positives to go along with this story. But how do we feel about it with a little bit of a 2023 lens, a little bit of backseat driving, a little bit of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking? How do we feel about a perfectly able-bodied Don Cheadle playing a person affected with Parkinson's disease uh, in 2002? This is one of those things where it's like, I feel like it would be very hard for someone with actual Parkinson's to do... Like, the sort of, like, no, like, the sort of, like, shakes at the, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just, it seems like it would be difficult for someone with Parkinson's to fully pull it off. I think I know what you're trying to say. And, yeah, it sucks and it's a little ableist that we're going here. But um, the whole point of it is that you can't control that. And if they're trying to tell a specific story they need to have it happen at a specific time. Of course, I'd rather they manage to do it with someone with oh, a disability. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's the same thing as, like, if we think about, you know, oh, would I want epileptics to be the ones having the seizure on the show? Ex- yeah. No, because, like, for me, personally, I would never want to go and act that because it's super traumatic to go through. Mm-hmm. Um I'm comfortable, personally, I know other people may disagree with me, and I know it's comparing apples to oranges, but, like, as far as my disability goes, I'm comfortable with, as long as I believe a piece of media is trying its best to get it right, Mm -hmm. and not um, propagating stereotypes, I Mm -hmm. guess is the phrase I'll use, that, like, if they're trying to portray it in an honest light, I'm, you know, I understand the logistics of it. Right. Let's see. Now you have me wondering, what if Michael J. Fox? Well, was in and this that's role? that's okay, that, that, that was going to be, be that was going to be my next point because at this same time on the same network, and now I'm not sure if I, I I did not do the legwork to like go and check the timelines to see if this has already happened or if this is something that is going to happen very shortly. Michael J. Fox plays a doctor with Parkinson's on Scrubs. Uh, he has oh, you're right. He has a very brief uh, arc on that show where he plays a doctor dealing with Parkinson's disease and, so, and dealing with the effects of it. So I absolutely want to, you, you made a good point and I want to kind of rewind on what I said, not backtrack, but you're right. If they had chosen an actual actor with Parkinson's, then they obviously would have written it a little bit differently as far sure. as how and the I think episode I, was playing I, yeah, out. Maybe so. I, maybe I phrased that poorly that they, they should have maybe, but, but again though, in 2002, when this episode airs, I don't know that there were any other high profile actors no. with Parkinson's disease other than Michael J. Fox, you know, like the other, uh, you know, the only other person, which actually, and there's also, there's so much uh, 
overlap in portrayals and in like like ms and parkinson's get lumped together a lot so like i'm thinking of like muhammad ali and richard Pryor. like those people were people that i think of but they they didn't i don't think had parkinson's i think they had muhammad uh, ali did oh he did i'm on of course i'm on wikipedia right now muhammad ali did uh robin williams had just been diagnosed with pd Mm mm-hmm yeah, but that's it's a very it's a very low... short list. Yeah, so yeah. you know Michael J. Fox was kind of the the only choice that you could have had. Now, not to say that there aren't other lesser known actors out there, you know, working actors that maybe might have been able to do it. But it's Michael J. Fox is kind of the only high profile one at the time, and maybe Scrubs beat him to the punch, you know, and they just went with the next best option. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Uh, so so we're still a couple of years off Scrubs. from his appearances on Scrubs. Uh and Alan Alda has Parkinson's. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But that, Just, that also, that I, think, that also I think is, yeah, is a late diagnosis. I think he was recently diagnosed Much later. That. Yeah, that was like five years ago. But still, yeah. just saying, it's still a very short list. But yeah, so like, um, like yeah, I, Michael J. Fox did prove in Scrubs that you could do it. Yeah. And and not only do it, but also manage to be funny in the process. Because of like, course. But that, that's kind of what that show specialized in was, you know, tragic comedy. Like, they, they always yeah. found humor in pain. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's just an interesting thought experiment to think about whether, how this role could have been different had you had somebody like Michael J. Fox. Absolutely. And I, I do retract that they completely could have, and I think it would have been empowering and well done. Like how they have Walter Jr. Yeah. In Breaking Bad. Like it can, Mm -hmm. it can absolutely be done. I think, you know, 20 years ago, like we said, like we talked about with Laura Inez, definitely wasn't necessarily a priority at the time, but I think if we redid it with a 2023 scope, I would love to see an actor. Right. Yeah. With, I'm still I'm still glad they do it at all. Sure. Because it's a pretty positive rep, positive representation being an honest representation from what I can remember right. of the disorder and like. Yeah, and I don't I don't want anybody to take away from it that we're being like, oh, that they this is offensive and they should that's not what we're saying at all. We're just saying that like it's it's the what if game, you know, it's the what if. Yep you know maybe they could have done it differently like and i still think don Cheadle does a fantastic job with this role and i think he you know gets a lot of things right and i think you know there's probably also things he could do better that we'll get into along the way that i think like i said somebody addresses this in their listener response so we'll i'll let them articulate it better than i could but it's just like i said it's worth worth thinking about worth you know Mm -hmm. vocalizing that there maybe could have been another way to approach the role absolutely uh, but all that aside, uh, Lizzie keeps trying to uh, avoid uh, Nathan. He follows along, and uh, she finally uh, says that he owes her eight hours, even though he is on the next day at 6 a.m. So uh, he's going to be working a little overnight here to try to make up for lost time. Uh, and uh, Nathan gets pulled away to help uh, the uh, man find his friend. Uh, we find out that the friend is the guy with the tiger mask from a little bit ago. And- and I'm sorry, I just updated the notes. His boyfriend. It's his partner. Yes. he. I think he says, I'm looking for my friend just to be like... Or, or something just like that, to, yeah. He's try, like, that's another thing this episode kind of deals with is a lot of early 2000s homophobia. Uh, yeah, there's like a couple people in dresses who obviously went cross-dressing to a party that Pratt's like, eh, yeah. about um, the guy who has the mask melted on his face does say my partner, mm-hmm. like does say my boyfriend or whatever. But yeah, when Terry comes in, he's definitely not you're right he's like hey they they use a little coded language just to try to make it easier on themselves yep. Yeah. yep 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 so we go back up to the surgical floor though dale is working on dale 
of all people, is working on the Don't get used to it. neck fash patient. <laughs> as Romano is uh, sort of micromanaging him through it and screaming for uh, for Corday to get in there. And uh, she's on the phone talking with the with her sitter, begging to get more time because Ella's, you know, she needs someone to take care of Ella. Um, and her when her wed- wedding ring goes down the sink. Oof. Oh, no. And Romano yells from the <laughs> other room on the phone, this guy's about to lose a leg. I'd say chop, chop, but that seems to be in bad taste. It's so fucking good, it, this episode. He nails all the one-liners, and it even, like, is it possible? Who knows if he's even the one doing it? Maybe it's Foley stuff added in later. But it even seems like he nails the knocking on the door or on the window. Yeah, the window. Like, he even yeah. punctuates that perfectly. Like, it's just, mm. My brain just went, enter. <laughs> Lesbians. Enter. Uh, but then Pratt is giving a prognosis to the gentleman in jungle drag, Terry, about his partner, like we said, the gentleman in the tiger mask. And as he comes out into the hall to talk to Nathan, leaving Terry in the room with his partner, fuck Pratt. Oh, my God. we were He was growing on me a little bit, but he backsteps here when Pratt calls the guy jungle perv to Nathan out in the hallway. Fuck off. And uh, Nathan is then looking for the kit to treat corneal abrasion because it looks like uh, Terry may have had an injury to his eye during the fire. So you, most of the time ER nails it, but Pratt's serving up, like we said, a little bit of that early 2000s homophobia going on. And But yeah, so fuck that. And then uh, Abby yells at Carter for putting on scrubs, like pants, because she's like, you're not in your full costume anymore. You can barely tell. I'm in this by myself and pumps. Uh, and Carter's like, fine, you want to see my whole costume? And he steps out of the things. It's like, I'm a spooky skeleton. It's actually kind of funny. But um, then a man is brought in. This is an absolute, oh, hey, it's that guy. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, oh. after I read this, oh, I have to look and see where I, um, but a man drank his daughter's mandrake smoothie with a super high libido and a very clear erection through his boxers they can't sedate him because it might mix with the mandrake stuff that he drank chuni walks out because he's sexually harassing both her and abby and like tries to grab them and luca he does grab he does grab chuni thank you and luca completely disregards that this could be uncomfortable and awful for female nurses and he's like what (laughs) it's fine it's funny Mm. so Oh, yeah. Uh, Lauren, this is not just an Oh, Hey, It's That Guy. This is the The Oh, Hey, It's It's That Guy. We have a new. Oh, shit. Okay. Yep. We have a new high watermark actor for not just the episode, but for all time. This is the new number to beat. So Mandrake guy here, as he's credited in this episode, Mandrake patient. Uh, he is played by actor Richard Reilly, who is uh, appeared in stuff like The Man from Earth, Casino, and what I knew him best from Office Space, where he plays the guy who invents the jump to conclusions mat. Yes, uh, yes. What the hell is wrong with you, people? And then, and then get uh, Tom. I think the character's name is in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he gets he, run he over. gets hit by a car, <laughs> and he ends up in a wheelchair, and then he like <laughs> creates his jump to conclusions mat, which is just ah. Uh, God, I love that movie. He's oh, like, excuse me. He's like, he, go ahead. He gets hit by a truck as he's pulling yes. out after after attempting suicide and then deciding not to because of his wife oh, comes in. That movie is so. I also love delightfully dark. I, I love the the pet rock. I thought of that first. Yeah. <laughs> the guy made a million dollars. Oh, he's so good. 
but yes, he is our new high watermark actor for the entire show to date, uh, with 410 credits to his name. And, How? and they date back to 1977. So my man has been, at, and he's, and he had like credits like within the last year, you know, on his IMDb. Yeah, he's still alive. He's, he's still alive and working. So like, dude is into his fifth decade, sixth decade. What is it? 2020s, yeah. 2010s, 2000s, uh, 90s, 80s, 70s. He's in his sixth decade of work. It's uh, a lot today, of residuals. Right? So shout out to this guy. And this is uh, mostly a throwaway patient. Like, we're not going to really do anything with Mandrake Guy. He's mostly a sight gag uh, slash fuel for uh, the brewing uh, conflict between Luca and the nurses. Um but in any event, we go from there to uh, Lizzie working on the necrophage case. Uh, Romano is pushing for a more conservative approach that could save the guy's leg, uh, but at a higher risk of not clearing out all the infection. And they're all very puzzled as to why Romano might want to do it this way, even though it's like literally staring all of them in the face. Like, <laughs> you ever wonder why? And smelling. You ever wonder why the guy with the like half dead arm maybe wants to save this guy's limb as a, you know can't save himself maybe he can save somebody else so he's uh we then see uh go back down to the uh nurse station uh admit desk area where uh they're kind of all openly speculating about how a guy with parkinson's can even practice medicine so great uh, this is this is echoes of when they were all talking about the hiv status right very very similar type stuff here frank with the charming uh quip here probably some disability quota they have to fill uh Frank giveth and he taketh. Uh, Carrie finally comes in uh, sweaty and cranky, presumably from directing the episode. Uh, and oh, yeah. somebody says, Frank says it's the biggest holiday of the year for her kind. And I forget who says, who replies back, lesbians? I think it's Pratt. And he says lesbians and he immediately pops back in. Frank does with uh, Wiccans. Which, fucking, again, like I said, Frank giveth and he taketh. Uh, and then Pratt makes a lovely joke about uh, Carrie going through the change. So. I think Susan's like, it's way too early. And so it's like, huh, hormones? Mm-hmm. Let's keep laying those breadcrumbs. Guys, she might be pregnant. So we're trying to have a baby. Uh, but anyway, Carrie drags Nathan off to a trauma. Uh, Simone, woman Simone, had a home birth and the baby is not breathing. Uh Simone lost a lot of blood because uh, she has a still retained placenta, I believe is I what it is. I think so. Yeah. Um, and, the ba- and Simone's midwife is also along with her carrying the baby. Uh, Gallant is helping the Simone get treated while Abby, Nathan, and Luca work on the baby and tiny little baby intubation. Uh, Nathan's hands shake, uh, start shaking as soon as he goes to bag the baby. Bag the baby just sounds cruel. Like something <laughs> sounds like something so much worse. Trying to get the baby air. Yes, no. Bag the baby is absolutely the right verbiage, but. Uh, and then uh, Simone here is played by actress Ashley Gardner, who appeared in stuff like He Said, She Said, Nash Bridges, and some voices on King of the Hill. And then from there, uh, Lizzie and Dale are fighting for this guy's life over his leg. And they're like, God, dude, come on. We cannot get this cut out clean where you want us to without taking everything off. Like, it's not going to go well. And Romano finally caves and says they can take the leg. And Daniel? 
ladies and gentlemen, girls, gals, no, guys, gals, non-binary guys, pals. gals, there we go. <laughs> we got ourselves a bona fide Bob here. Sound the alarm. Uh, because Mr. Darkside Carter himself has left the building. Did. It's because hell yeah! It's because actual Carter is becoming Dark Side Carter. He doesn't need his his foil anymore. Oh. He has become what he sought to destroy. Uh, yeah. So Dale has uh made his final appearance here, trying to save the leg. They're not going to save the leg. They're not going to save Dale either, because uh, we will never see Dale ever again. Kind of a weird uh, like whimper of an ending for a character that I feel like has a really. St- like kind of comes roaring onto the scene as like they, they position him early on as like a fierce Carter adversary character. Yeah. Uh, and then that kind of fizzles out. Uh, we get a little bit of a resurgence of that around the time that uh, Lucy shows up. Um, and then they really just don't do much of anything with Dale after that. They kind of just let him languish in the background until here where they're going to burn off his last appearance and uh, never explain or mention his whereabouts ever again after this. So it's, it's rare that we get such a bona fide Bob. Usually I have to really stretch the definition of a Bob, but this one is like, this is grade A Bob right here. Then we go from there. Uh, Nathan checks on one of the kids from the fire. It was looking all good, uh, but Nathan himself is not looking all good. Uh, he's limping and wobbling around and the kid asks what's wrong after the kid the kid asks after nathan leaves what's wrong with him then dad says we'll talk about it later so yeah and goes to go sit down and abby goes to check on him which leads us into our next audio clip hey i'm not i'm good uh i think the robot can go home okay i'll get carter to dispo him okay can i get you a cup of coffee or something no, fine thank you uh I like your outfit. Mm. It's very retro. Thank you. Um, listen, if if you ever need anything, uh... like a straight jacket. <laughs> Is your dyskinesia usually this bad? I don't want to freeze up when I'm at work, so I up the medication, and this is what you get. At least it helps to dispel the myth. No, we don't all have rhythm. <laughs> if that happened to me, I'd probably jump on a world cruise and I'd go to med school. I already saw the world. In fact, I was in Italy when I first realized I had a problem. I was sipping wine in this little cafe in Florence and I noticed that my little finger was shaking. I just figured it was from living on espresso and martinis. When did you find out it wasn't? Well, I used to hate doctors, so it took a while for me to check it out. But once I did, it really put things in perspective. Yeah, I guess being sick does that. Her baby's not doing well, huh? I love how the minute he says her dress is retro, that's when she's like, all right, this guy's okay. Let me go and yeah. let me go and talk to him some more. He's not a creep like Luca. It's one of, it's one of my favorite Ugh. scenes in the whole episode, actually. Like, mm-hmm. It's very yeah. good. She just kind of softens. And, and the way that we get to see him display a little bit of the, like, humor about the situation. Like, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. able to, you know, laugh at it a little bit. Um, I was also thinking too, like, like the stuff that Don Cheadle was is best known for, is really still to come. Like he's obviously a known quantity at this point, but I feel like he, mm-hmm. I feel like he is a step above. Oh, hey, it's that guy's status, but is not quite the 
all-encompassing A-lister that he will sh- very shortly be after, you know, Crash and uh, Hotel Rwanda, which is just a couple yeah, of years say, away. Has that come out yet? No, I think Hotel Rwanda was in the 0405 range. So, like, it, it it's gotcha. coming up for him. So, I, f- I feel like it's a really good get on their part, like, from a casting standpoint. Like, they, they're able to grab this guy for a, just a quick little three, four-episode swing right before he's about to like explode as one of the biggest stars in Hollywood for the next, you know, decade yeah. at least. Cause this was the first thing I ever saw him in for sure. I think it would have been either this or volcano would have been the, the thing that, it, Oh yeah. Well, I yeah, volcano, yeah, like, excuse me, but, yeah, but in but volcano, like, this is like the first thing I like remember specifically Don. Right. In, in volcano, he from... is, he's fully like <clears throat> sidekick. Like, and I, and, and as, as yeah. much as oh, I, yeah. as much as I like that movie for its incredible, just absurdity. Uh, and as much as I like him in that movie, just cause I like his character. I can't say that he just like radiates off the screen superstar. Like he's fine. He's solid. He does what he, he needs to do to get the, the job done in the role he's given. But to me, he, there's certain people who's like uh, charisma just kind of like jumps off the screen at you. And I don't think in volcano he's there yet, but here it's here. Like here you can see like, Oh, we got something here. Like this, this guy's going to be like, if you get him in the right role, which obviously he did with hotel Rwanda, like get him in the right role. This guy can absolutely act his ass off and will be one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And, and he ended up being making good on that promise. So I'm still surprised he was in an episode of China beach too. He was, he was a big, yeah, the, the late 80s, early 90s Don Cheadle is a big, oh, hey, it's that guy. He, he did a lot of the, um, the, the sitcom circuit. He was on the follow-up spinoff show to the Golden Girls. Uh, in yep, Golden Palace. Golden Palace in a very, like, very special episode about uh, the Confederate flag and about, <laughs> the, it was a very, it was one of those. It was a very, it got trotted out a lot during the pandemic uh, as, uh, you know, all the, the, the unrest and stuff was happening. Um, that particular episode of that Golden Girls spinoff uh, with Don Cheadle, that got trotted out quite a bit. Yeah, I just love him. I just love him, and I love this scene. It's so good. But uh, Simone's baby's labs are, came back, and the baby has sialidosis, which means they're missing an enzyme that breaks down waste proteins in cells, uh, thereby poisoning the body. And he's already experiencing kidney failure, among other things. She doesn't even know what to name him yet. And Luca just kind of rudely is like, can you excuse us to Nathan? Like, just like, how dare another doctor be in the room for this? Really, I know he's just trying to give the mom a moment to breathe and some peace with it, but still. Uh, There's a very low predicted quality of life and chance of anything past two years. And she has no one for them to call. She is single, no extended family, etc. And out in the hall, Abby serves Luca, asks if he's having a bad day because he's been a bit of a dick today. Uh, She's getting complaints about him from the nurses and she has to explain to him what sexual harassment is because he's a dick and thinks like, oh, somebody grabbing your butt's just funny. (laughs) Um, And Halei walks by and says she's going to kill the mandrake guy. She's like, I'm fucking done. I love love her line read here where she's like, what's the status on mandrake guy? She says, status is I'm going to shoot him if he touches my boob again. (laughs) Yep. So good. Um, But then Abby has to explain to him, like, here's the chain of command. If you have a problem with the nurses, you come to me. I take care of it. He's like, what if I have a problem with you? And she's like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, just absolutely 
dresses him down. To which Luca becomes my least favorite person by saying, maybe you could sew a swastika into that dress and be a naughty Nazi nurse. I appreciate the play on words, but God, you're such a fucking raging asshole, Luca. Um, and from there, we pivot over to Nathan grabbing Carrie about the Cielodosis baby because he is now febrile and a temperature of 102. Not great. Yes, Daniel. I, I, just, I was just chuckling to myself thinking that, like, of all the people in this episode, I think the one that would be the least likely to make the Nazi joke would be the Eastern European guy. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, right? If, if uh... anybody is going to not make the flippant Nazi joke, it would probably be him. Uh, but then uh, Carrie says she's going to make arrangements for the baby to be sent to the NICU because clearly, like, it needs a little bit more dedicated care than they can give down in the ER. All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Our Romano's in the lounge while, in the surgical lounge while uh, Corday's using the phone. Why are you still here? Uh, my piano recital was canceled. Hey, it's me, Elizabeth. I'm on my way home now. See you soon. Bye. We did the right thing. Trying to convince me or you? Look, I went through a period of adjustment. When I became a mother, every time I had to treat a child, you get over it. No, please spare me the two-dollar psychoanalysis, Lizzie. Fine. Hey, look, 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 look. I know most people don't like me. I don't care. I don't like most people. But I'm good at what I do. I save people's lives. Every day. People who no one else can help. If I can't do that. Robert, I know you're frustrated. <clears throat> you're an excellent surgeon and you will be again, I promise you. You will be. Oh, Romano. Piano the recital. piano recital line read just again 10 out of 10 this episode um but yeah like uh, what i love about this episode is that it manages to hit all of the notes of romano's story here like you see his you see his frustration with his current predicament you see the the attempts to mask all of that with humor and and sarcasm and you also see you also see his enthusiasm for getting back to what he considers to be some kind of normal. And then you also see the tragedy of it as well. Like you see mm -hmm. him in this just complete moment of vulnerability, which is not an emotion we're used to seeing out of that character. Like that character is probably out of almost anyone on the show, never portrayed as vulnerable, never portrayed yeah. as, as having any sort of like lack of confidence or feeling down on himself. And, and all that's just going to morph into anger and frustration as we go yeah, along. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's a really it's a really excellent job. I I'm, I venture to say that this might be one of the best complete Romano episodes, like oh, of the entire time he's on the show. Um, and it's it is just again, it's a testament to Paul McCrane as an actor that like he was able to 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 do all of those, pull out all those emotions, and do it so seamlessly and do it so effortlessly. And um, it just, again, makes me weep that we're not going to really get to do all that we should have gotten to do with this part of Romano's story. There should have been a lot more to this before they, you know, 
again, not to put too fine a point on it, before they cut it off. <laughs> like, before they... Well, the other tragedy with it, too, is it's like, when we see all this nuanced work he is doing, it makes it even more sad, retroactively, that his character has just become a punchline. Yeah. That his character is best known for being the dude who gets his arm cut off and the dude who gets smashed by a helicopter. Like, if you're who's somebody who is not, like, familiar with the R and they're like, didn't they Didn't they kill a guy with a helicopter? It's like, yeah. that's what he... Like, most people aren't going to think, wow, Romano, what depth, what nuance. They're going to go dickbag with one arm and, like, move on. Yeah. I'll, Excuse so. you, Paul McCrane is also known for getting melted uh, getting melted with acid and <laughs> Paul McCrane dies at the end. Compilation. Find it on YouTube. Um, He's like Sean Bean. Yeah. But, not, but, but like as he as American. he said in that interview, <laughs> uh, Sean Bean stole his gimmick. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. Paul McCrane yeah. was the guy who dies at the end. Um, but, no, I, I just... Uh, I'll be very interested to see how I feel about the mm-hmm. the end of Romano when we get there because my memories of it is that it is a cartoonishly stupid scene. I have no illusions that the scene is going to age like anything other than milk. It's going to be terrible. But I remember thinking that it was funny. Like, I remember thinking that it was like a very comedic, over-the-top comic way to send off a character who was over-the-top and cartoonish. You know, to the, like, he's he's evil to the point of cartoonishness and what i have learned as i've gone back through this this rewatch is that while that's true in some respects like lauren said there's a lot more depth to the character than i remembered the character is a lot more uh in depth and there's a lot less of the cartoonish stuff there's some of it but there's not nearly as much as i remembered and and of course it's it's malucci all over again well it's not quite malucci but it's okay. it's Still. and it's a different kind of thing but like it's it, there is a lot more to the character than i remembered and um so i will be very interested to see how my feelings evolve on the whole romano like like the way he said it in his interview with us like it was a little moby dickish for his taste like it was a little it was a little on the nose <laughs> yes it was and if he had, and if it would and if it had been up to him he probably would have done something a little bit different um but you know it's just it's that's this is one of the things I love about doing the show is that like we're revisiting and reevaluating some of our stances on these things. And, you know, maybe I will feel differently about that scene when we get to it. I have no illusions that that scene's going to be good, but at least I might I might actually end up disliking it more than I did the first time around because of what it robs us of. Uh, so who knows? Uh, but the uh, babysitter does finally show up with Ella. She couldn't wait any longer to get to the airport for her flight. Uh, we get Ella in a tiny cow costume, and we ask the age-old question, is this on par with Reese and a ducky? And I would say, hell fucking no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ella Ella Tiberius Green wishes she could be Ducky Reese. Uh, but... All right, just had to put it out there. <laughs> Is known people. She cannot carry Ducky Reese's jock. All right, she. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but uh, we do also meet Ella's sitter here, who is played by actress Tanika Johnson, who appeared in stuff like uh, Chicago Hope, American Crime Story, and uh, CSI New Orleans. And she is making her first of just two appearances as uh, Ella's babysitter here. We will see her a little bit later in the season as well. Um. We go over to a uh, burn trauma they're working on. The uh, woman from the start of the episode. Uh, is this where we get the real crunchy burn makeup? Uh, yeah. Like, they, uh. they never. It's this. 
this trauma for the rest of the episode. This burn trauma is the crunchy one. Right. They never they never skimp on the uh, the burn prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Like they always go all out with those. Um, it's the woman from the start of the episode. Ella gets passed off to Lily. Uh, we find out that the woman has a pulse ox of 82, which if you are keeping score at home is not good, kids. Uh, anything l- lower than about... If you're not sick, anything lower than like 95, 90, let's say 96, 97 is where you should be if you're just a normal person walking around every day. If you're sick I- like I was when I had COVID... Anything like 90 to 95 is less than ideal, but not hospital worthy. Low 90s or below, go to the hospital. That's what I remember. For, like when we bought our pulse oxes around the time, it was like still mid-COVID pre-vaccinations. And it was just like, okay, what do we need to know about this? Yeah. Everybody doesn't hurt to have a pulse oximeter. Nope. It's a, it's very easy. It's painless. Uh, it's uh, You can get them at Walgreens for like 10 bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good thing to have in your first aid kit at home. Uh, and then, uh, we go back to check in on Cialidosis baby. Uh, Chuni is, uh, following Carrie's orders, uh, to, I forget what they're doing on the kit at this point, but they're, they're working on it when essentially the mother has signed a DNR. Um, and Luca storms in and confronts her for not following his orders. So... <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain just went super califragilistic XP salad toast. Uh, kids, today we're going to learn about intrusive thoughts. <laughs> oh, boy. If they're not ruling my life this week, not, I don't know what is. Not, a, uh, not every thought needs to be acted upon. Sometimes, well, here we sometimes are. you can just let thoughts pass the through thought your go. brain nope. like, like nope. a bus. You don't have to get on the bus. Okay, Nope, never mind. It's fine. I, mm, it's fine. Keep going. I'm great. But yeah, Luca's a dick. He's not great this episode. He's not great this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's not great this season. They gotta make anyway. us. They gotta make us root for Carter somehow. This is this is Very their true. this is their equivalent of uh, I believe it's season three. Doug, you know, you gotta you gotta tear him down to build him back up, uh, and. They just, like I said, the, the the main difference, in my opinion, is again going back to what I said last episode of the one before, is that I just don't think he can really pull off the like affable playboy thing nearly as well as Clooney could. Like he can't, and that's no slight to Goran Vishnik. There are not many George Clooney's in the world. Uh, I just don't think he has it in his toolbox to to pull that off with the same level of en- endearment that Clooney was able to. And so it, it leads to some awkward tension in the it, like it just it, it doesn't leave you going like, oh, that rapscallion Luca. He's so, you know, he, he's such a whatever, you know, you're just like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Like you, you just end up not liking him as a result. And yeah, you could say there's some narrative justification for it, that he's dealing with some PTSD and some depression. But it's it still is just like as a surface level viewer, it leaves kind of a bad taste in your mouth for the character. Yeah, agree. And just also, they don't need to do this. Just, they don't need to. It's fine. They really don't. Anyway, uh, Abby's called back into the girl's trauma. Nathan accidentally pops the IV bag because his hands are shaking, uh, and which point Lizzie throws him out. And Chuni insists to Abby that she's going to file a grievance against Luca. And While they're all in the goddamn trauma room, if I recall correctly. Exactly, yes. Abby asks uh, Lizzie if she isn't being a little hard on anything considering the Parkinson's disease. And Lizzie's like, excuse me. Uh, yeah. I love, I love the take on that. 
excuse me and then cut and then cut right to commercial which is so good but then we come back and the girl is crashing and again the crispy makeup is so good this episode just lizzie accidentally paused it here for a second and was like nope that doesn't work and like had to let it go another second before she paused it because it was just Yum. such visceral makeup um and they managed to get her stable and they go out in the hall and Chuni throws the baby's lab at Luca's face. She's like, here's your baby's labs. Just chucks them at him. And um, we find out uh, that Luca slept with Chuni and is now being an absolute ass. And she's like, you can't, you can't fucking do that. Like, you just can't. Not you can't sleep with her, but you can't be a dick about it. And he goes, well, you never complained. Because she's yelling at him for sleeping around with the mom and Chuni and stuff. And it's just like, keep being a dick. I know, I know I've made this joke before, but this is where I want in the background, uh, Force Ghost Mark Green, like the, uh, like, <laughs> like the knight at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like, I just want him, I just want him, like, waving at Luca, like, in the background. Like, where they both. I don't know what the politically yeah. I don't know what the the uh, politically correct is not the right word but I don't, I don't I, know what the I know I know yep I know the the phrase you're trying I to don't, say I don't know what the word is but there there's got to be one there has to be a socially acceptable word for for what we're all thinking but they they both coupled with Chuni yeah like you know that's gross that's really gross anyway <laughs> they're a certain kind of brother <laughs> Luca got, got the sloppy seconds we were trying not to say it Lizzie. I'm here. I'm the one to, who says who says the hard things. Who says the disgusting? Like, again, things. if I were better with Adobe, I would absolutely take this scene and I would in, I would insert a teal transparent Mark Green in the background, just waving. He has, he to, has have to have the, the goatee. goatee. He has though. to yeah. have the season yeah. season four goatee. Hundred percent. But yeah, uh, Jen, I'm sorry. But Luca's a fucking dick. We know you know this. And just skip ahead and start listening again in season 11. Because this is just going to keep happening. And we know that you want to like us. Um, But then Terry can't go into surgery with his partner because immediate family only. And he says, I should have said I was his brother. And Pratt's like, go home, get some sleep, like come check on him in the morning. And the guy goes, home? This dress is all I have. Mm. Like, everything was burned in that fire. That's just gotta be so insanely devastating. Lauren, we need to buy a fire safe. I keep forgetting. Fire safe. uh, Grab and go bag. Lizzie and I were talking about uh, disaster situations last night, and we were like, shit, we are woefully underprepared for if anything happened. Like, we have a first aid kit, and that's it. I know. Jen's a prepper, and we love her. I was gonna say, call Nurse Jen, man. She'll hook you up. She'll tell you all. I'll have to... You'll... And my whole plan is just like, oh, I guess I'll die. We we, oh, well. we have one of those um, emergency ladders that lives under our bed. That's one of those ones that you like hook to the inside of your windowsill and then just throw it out the window and you can climb I mean, down the ladder on it. Like, I mean, that's awesome. She bought one of those but at yeah. Goodwill like years ago and has carried it around ever since. I love Jen. No, I'm like, I, I, will, I will definitely perish if it's a serious catastrophe. But if it's just like, hey there was a tornado or a fire and we need to get out for a bit, I could probably live. If it's something where it's like, hey, you're not going to have access to any of the 80 million medications you're taking because the supply chain is down, oh, I'm dead. Look, I already want to die when I run out of cream cheese. (laughs) 
I was gonna say during any sort of real situation, I'm just gonna fold like a fucking. Yeah. I, I love Lizzie dearly, but she is not the person I want in the apocalypse. Right. It was it was kind of hot the other day, and Lizzie in the group chat was like, "You'd have thought it was Nam." <laughs> like it was just. Oh. Uh, it's so hot. Li- Lizzie at any it was. anything other than seventy four degrees. In either direction, right. she's miserable. 73, no good. 75, miss me with that shit. 71's too cold. <laughs> We're laughing, but she's completely right, serious. Right, she's completely uh, serious. Oh, I'm deadly serious. Anyway, uh, what else is serious is baby's fever has gone down a little, and we learned that Simone has had two miscarriages before she got pregnant and has lost relationships over the struggles to get pregnant. Like, this was her, this was her miracle baby. And Luca gives her the harsh reality of what it could take to keep the baby alive, a.k.a. extreme measures, CPR, did anyone, ventilation. Did anyone notice how fast the midwife evaporated from this story? Too? Right? Like, yep. she, gone. she shows up with the ambulance and then, like, accompanies her in and then is immediately just, like, gone. So just really set, paints a really grotesque picture of, like, hey, this is what we'll have to do to keep your kid alive. If things get I worse, mean, when things get worse. It's true. It is, but the way he does it, excuse me, the way he does it doesn't necessarily need to be, he's just a dick. I think his whole point is that he's trying to tell this woman, like, your baby's not going to have any quality of life. Yeah, he's trying to. There's no, this is a hopeless situation. Right, he's trying to let him, let let her down gently, but also, like, be firm with her and be like, look, you need to understand this is yeah. not going to end well for you. We can technically keep her alive, but it's not a good idea. I'm just going to choose to be mad at Luca for whatever reason this episode. Once he had to be reminded eight times what the definition of sexual harassment was and still wasn't listening to people, he's on my shit list. Anyway, let's go to our last audio clip here. Uh, Nathan's sitting and taking care of Ella while uh, when Lizzie comes over. Hi, uh, Lily had to run Wynn's ABG up to the lab. Thank you. Did you reverse her hyperkalemia? Yeah, just enough to get her to dialysis. She still has the burns, though. Yeah, but you got her back. May I? Oh, I'm sorry. So, did we reach the parents? No, uh, the girl was actually babysitting. It wasn't even her building. You know, you might have told me sooner, saved me some embarrassment about your condition. Well, I certainly didn't mean to embarrass you. How long's it been? Eight years. I was misdiagnosed for the first two. And you were late today because? My neurologist wanted an MRI. I'm sorry. I wouldn't have made you stay. What the hell? Fresh start. Try to make as many rounds as you can, complete the required reading, take the exam. I've been reading and taking tests for two years. This is my hands-on training. It's a surgical rotation. I understand that. Probably the most physically demanding, emotionally exhausting, stressful six weeks any would-be physician ever experiences. Part of becoming a doctor. I'm offering you a pass, Mr. Nathan. Trust me, you should take it. I'm here to treat patients. You have a degenerative neurologic disease. I know what I have. It doesn't mean I need a pass. ER. I don't want special treatment. I just want to learn like other students. Yeah, she's here. You're not like other students. No, I'm older and smarter. Okay, Dr. Corday, burn unit needs you. I'm on my way out, Frank. It's your melted mask guy. Okay, you're right there. She's on her way. Look, go home, 
Think about it. Report back day after tomorrow. I'm sure you could use the rest. I'm fine. It's just not very practical. I love the, no, I'm older and smarter. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. I also, I do understand her concerns, though. As someone who knows how strenuous the profession is, even on a ab fully able-bodied person, like, I get how she's like, how the fuck is he going to do this? But at the same, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because, like, yeah, they're doctors. They should know what this prognosis truly is. Mm -hmm. And, like, we see that with Abby a little bit, where she's like, hey, how is XYZ actually treating you? Here, I feel like Lizzie's just, like, I'm torn between thinking, great, she's giving accommodations which is something that if people want them they should absolutely have within reason of like what the program is but also like he didn't ask for those right yeah she's like, she's kind of in in a way i feel like she's kind of trying to have her cake and eat it too like she's she's giving him she's making accommodations she's giving him a way out and everything but also at the same time she's trying to like I feel like she needs to either go one way or the other. She either needs to like say like, if you want to do this, you're going to do this, but I'm going to treat you like everybody else. Like, and it's going it, to, it's either going to work or it's, it's going to not. Right. Or she needs to have the upfront, honest conversation with him on the level that is like, here's the realities of the situation. I don't think you can do this in my professional opinion. Like, which is a shitty thing to have to say, but it also, I mean, ultimately spoilers for the end of the storyline. That's ultimately kind of what ends up happening. Like he ultimately kind of comes to the realization that he can't do this. And so like, you know, here I feel like she's just kind of punting a little bit where she's sort of like, well, you know, like I'll give you a pass. Like I'll, I'll get you through my rotation and then you're somebody else's problem after that. Like, I kind of feel like she's punting on the whole thing where she could either be like, all right, if you want to do this, I'll support you, but I'm not going to take it easy on you or I'm not going to, like, go out of my way to make accommodations for you. It's just going to be what it is, what it is. Or she could be the, the person to, like, put the roadblock up and be like, all right, dude, look, I know this is going to suck to hear, but here's the reality of the situation. I don't I don't think in my professional opinion that you can do this. I don't know. It's just it, I, I, I think you could read it a few different ways. Yeah, it's it's a thin line to walk on. Uh, but we then see uh, Carrie is asleep in that uh, that magical back room where everybody goes to sleep, which we haven't really seen in a while. Um, right. And uh, find out that they still haven't gotten uh, the baby up to the NICU. Carrie starts bitching about it when uh, Abby tries to stop her as she's storming into the trauma room to uh, tell her that the baby died 30 minutes ago. So. Like, okay, let's get mom a quiet room. Yeah. Uh, Carter is uh, finishing up with his patient, uh, just a uh, homeless patient. They they don't really we don't we don't really find out much about this patient in terms of names or anything. It's it's not the, no. it's not the guy from earlier. It's not Mandrake. It's not man. Mandrake man. Uh, he's very drunk and uh, asks Abby if he can play with her breasts because uh, he's on death's door right. and he wants to die happy <laughs> right. essentially. And he's and I love Carter. He's like, you're not dying. You're just drunk. Like. <laughs> And I do like, I mean, it is a little, it is crass, but I do like the interplay between this guy and Abby. Like, they play it, you know, that's, they play it very well. That's funny. And I think the difference here, and like what they're trying to mirror, is Carter, like, not qu not quite stands up for her, but he's like, hey, dude, knock it off. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I didn't even, I didn't but, even really like, pick up on that, that there might be a sort of a mirroring between him and Luca there, but... Yeah, like I, it's you, not you much of one, way. but it's like considering it's a very similar type of patient, 
and how he reacts to it compared to how Luca does. Right. It's just they both kind of treat it as not too serious, but he at least kind of sides with Abby on it by being like, dude, you're not dying. Shut up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good read on it. Uh, but uh, we then see Lizzie trying to get out of there finally uh, when Romano stops her uh, and she's like, ah, dude, because like one thing that that clip earlier didn't really convey is the level of extreme awkwardness when she leaves that room uh, because he kind of, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, like he kind of like strokes her face at the end and like clearly has like kind of a, you know, I mean, he's always harbored some romantic feelings towards Lizzie and Lizzie has always been staunchly anti that he just has a very vulnerable moment right he has a very vulnerable moment and she is uh you know rightly weirded out and makes a quick exit and this is their sort of like wrapping up of all that and so she's like he's the last person she wants to talk to in this moment but it's very sweet because he did find her he, he was able to retrieve her wedding ring out of the sink and uh uh is uh quick to apologize saying it was just a momentary weakness on my part won't happen again so it's a very mature way of handling like, it like this is leaps and bounds from when we were where we were when he first showed it's true. up like way to go way to go boy way to do basic human decency <laughs> and respect boundaries you nailed it a a plus and uh corday gets on the l at the van buren stop which is more in line yeah. much more in line than the which, what was the armitage armitage yes much more in line with the arm than the armitage um, very much in the downtown area, uh, and she's headed home with Ella. And you know, we wish, we wish we could sit with our eyes closed, holding a kid on the middle of the L at night. Presumably, yeah. Wh- yeah, I don't know what what's lines. Well, I think it's probably the brown line supposed you know, to be. But wish like, I would. No way in yeah. hell would I sit holding my child with my eyes closed in the middle of the night on the train. I don't even keep my phone out on the train after dark. Again, it's a miracle I n- that nothing ever happened to me with how uh, stupid I behaved on those trains in college. Yeah, same. So yeah, no, not with a child by myself. Yeah, now it's like nowadays we know better, but yeah. street smarts. Um, oh, that guy died actually recently. Come on, Lizzie, keep... Sorry, sorry. Brain is being a brain. Associations, anyway, let's go. Yes, exactly. Uh... So she's still asleep, in a, still asleep in a different seat, as light has broken and she's like across. She yeah, like she moved, moved across, across the aisle. The, I think. Oh, did she? Yeah, I think you could yeah. read it either way. I think you could read it as she was so tired she fell asleep on the train and rode the whole night, or I think the implication is just a slick transition. The dawn. Right. It, it's just yeah. a slick transition from way home to way back in. Yeah. Mm. It's now clearly morning with the train more crowded, and yeah, we just said okay. maybe Don Rose as she was on the train, or but yeah, okay, yeah, because like I wouldn't have thought like that she was taking Ella back in, but you're right, Ella may not be in the cow costume at that point. I hadn't noticed. That's true. Uh, and then we run out our, our episode. Nathan shows up for rounds the next morning because the two stupid dumbass uh, med students don't know what the hell they're asked from a hole in the ground, but Nathan answers every question correctly. So I, can I guess, can I take parts of this episode and give them tens out of ten? Yeah. Can I give Romano a ten out of ten and Don Cheadle a ten mm-hmm. out of ten? Got, but can I give Luca like a three out of ten? You got to do law of averages, my dude. They all got to combine. Yeah. Ah, so I, I I'm gonna settle on eight out of ten because what's good is fantastic. Mm. 
like Romano is fantastic. Don Cheadle is great. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun gags in this one. Frank is on, Frank is on point for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I like more than I don't like. Yeah. The, the positives far outweigh the negatives. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I land. Exactly. Yep. hundred percent. I, I think eight is a completely solid. Yeah. If I want to get really nitpicky with it, I would say that the the last scene there, the the end of the episode, uh, it doesn't. I want to make it very clear my distinction of what I'm saying here. It does not go over the line, but I will say it toes the line of being a little bit after school, especially at the end. It it flirts yeah. just a teeny bit with being schmaltzy, and I feel like they flirt with the line without going over the line, and I'm okay with it. But any further and any more like, ah, oh, you got me, you know, you were an asshole to me 20 minutes ago, but now we're, now we've earned mutual respect for one another. Like, oh geez, yeah, you like guys. it gets a little bit, oh gosh, golly, darn, darn it. You know, like that, it gets a little bit of that. But like, besides that, I, I feel like, uh, like you said, the, the Don Cheadle stuff and the Romano stuff. Romano is 10 out of 10 knocking it out of the park this episode yeah arguably Romano's best episode I think so I think you know in terms of a full episode absolutely Mm -hmm. like he's had I think stronger individual moments you know thinking of like you know Lucy's death and stuff like that like he's had stronger individual moments but I think this episode as a whole is his finest hour just in terms of all the things you get to watch him go through in the space of 40 minutes it's a master class by Paul McCrane Um, so yeah 8 out of 10 feels feels perfectly cromulent for this one like right. totally totally fair and the luca stuff is just it's they're in a weird place with luca right now like i don't feel mm. like they fully know what to do with him like they are they are all clearly creatively they are all in on the carby thing like they are all in on those yeah. two yeah and so as a result it does sort of feel like sometimes they feel like they need to tear him down to compensate to make and i know that's a, a an accusation that's been levied by fans in the past that they kind of artificially prop up Carter by making Luca look shittier and shittier. And you might be seeing a little bit of that bear fruit here because a lot of this stuff does seem very out of character. So it's, it's a weird, we're in a really weird place with that character right now. Yeah. Say this is the same Luca who's going to go to Africa voluntarily for by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the season. It's a weird, going to go get his shit. Exactly. Also, Daniel side note, I appreciate that you just used the word cromulent because uh, I it tends to be in my normal day to day where I'm like that was perfectly cromulent for things, and Lizzie sometimes is like, "What?" <laughs> I'm just like, it just it means it's absolutely adequate. I don't know what it means, and at this point, it's I'm too Simpsons. afraid to it's ask. A, it's a Simpsons, it's a Simpsons thing. Yeah. thing. It's a Simpsons thing that I forget is a Simpsons thing, and I think like, "Oh no, that's 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 normal," and then it's like, "No, that's that's not." I will show you the clip, Lizzie. But yes, okay. it's crum, it's cromulent. Okay, it's just it is. Well, what did our cromulent listeners have to say about it? Use it in a sentence. Uh, Megan M. says, I've always loved the annual ER Halloween episodes. This one does a great job showcasing the frustration and vulnerability Romano faces being back to work. Feeling useless in the trauma room, the OR, and then the rejection when he is in the lounge with Lizzie. As much as I love Don Cheadle, I'm still kind of torn when it comes to the Paul Nathan storyline. I just found that character to be annoying throughout his episode arc. Rodney C. says, This episode hits harder now. In 2016, my mom had to have an above-the-knee amputation because of the condition the guy had in this episode. Oof. 
Uh, it's not that common. It could happen due to anything from an open cut to a bug bite. And by the time you start having symptoms, it's either amputate or die. Thankfully, she is still with me. As far as the characters, Luca and Elizabeth are a lot to deal with, even if with Lizzie it makes sense. But I want to point out, for a show deemed the Carter and Abby show in season 9, I feel like the focus and balance of the characters are very balanced. Franner W. says, This is one of the favorite characters I have seen Don Cheadle play, and we all thank whoever... And we all thank whomever we pray to that he doesn't have to do a Cockney accent in this. Uh, Franner, you're gonna have to fill me in on that at another time. Evil villain era Luca is finally fully here, and I think he is lucky that Abby is so gentle with him and shows concern. I would have perhaps been a bit more direct. He is really pretty vile to Chuni. Paul McCrane, you break my heart in this episode. Again, chef's kiss. Uh, Grace B says, I would hate working with Abby and Carter and Luca right now. I repeat, does Chuni fucking have to fucking do fucking everything around here? Wow, that takes me back. Uh, I would like to reserve further commentary on Paul Nathan till the end of his arc, but off the bat, I am just so conflicted about the whole thing. I love Don Cheadle. Hotel Rwanda was some was one of my favorite movies as a teenager, but my immediate reaction every time is an overwhelming sense of a bunch of able-bodied people doing some research and calling that good enough. Through a 2023 lens, it sucks to watch this and be painfully aware that people who actually have Parkinson's were almost certainly not in the writer's room, never mind considered for the part of Nathan himself. We'll see it in the next few weeks if my feelings change at all. And I just have to say, Grace, excellent point. Um, I was too busy sitting with my just TV lenses on while I was watching this instead of my critical thinking cap, and I'm so glad you brought this up for us to discuss earlier, because... It, it would not have been top of mind for me, and I'm ashamed to admit it. No, it's worth worth considering. That's why we have listener responses. And last but certainly not least, at the full-time dad, there are some episodes in the series' latter arc that rekindle some of the feelings you'd get watching the show for the first time or one of the heavy-hitting episodes during its prime. A hopeless wound is that for me. First, there's Romano coming face-to-face -face with the end game of his injury. Yes, it takes all season to get there, but it's very clear that he knows where his arm is headed. We get some of the very best of Romano we've ever gotten here. The comedic notes, the pig scene in the open was hilarious, the serious, the conversation with his therapist, the rare moments of emotion, the resignation that the neck, fa neck fash patient is going to lose his leg, and the heartfelt admission to Elizabeth that he'll be lost without his career, and the uncomfortable yet emotional touch of Elizabeth's face and the effort to find her wedding ring. Paul McCrane nails it with his performance. Next, there's Don Cheadle, thrust into the bustle of a mass casualty situation as a med student with Parkinson's. I wasn't a huge fan of his arc during my first watch of the show, but I fell in love with it during subsequent rewatches. This performance in his debut is up there with some of the best guest star debuts we've seen. In particular, I love the conversation with Abby, who also shines this episode, and laughed raucously at his rhythm joke. Don Cheadle can act his ass off. The Luca stuff is coming to a head, and we get some elite Chuni vitriol. Actually, if we're keeping it 100, the entire nursing staff is really on full display here. One of the reasons this episode has a throwback feel to it. Abby, Hale, Chuni, Shirley, even Lily all shine. Justice for Connie Marie Brazelton and uh, Lydia, who are not in this episode. <laughs> Uh, and finally, uh, there's Elizabeth, who shows that uh, when given the spotlight, she can still deliver some elite performances. And in a mea culpa, I'll admit that the penultimate scene with Ella on the subway car set to Tracy Chapman's The Promise gets to me. And the song should have made my ranking of top licensed music moments. 
as the resident licensed music Grinch, it made me feel nothing. Uh, <laughs> Attaboy. Martin Davich forever. That's right. Uh, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast, which more and more of you are going to, which we love, and more and more Thank of you, you are choosing the semi-new yearly option that we offer. You know, we have we have at least we have I think we have at least like three more years of this show probably to go. I'd say I'd say that's fair. Yeah, so we're gonna be around for a little for a little while longer. So for if you wanna save save ten bucks a year and subscribe at the five dollar level, buy it all at once, it's fifty dollars. If you buy it a la carte it's sixty dollars. So save some money. When we we'd love to entertain you for a little extra time. All right. But for that $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to any future cast and crew interviews that we may do, and over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And currently Volcano. the poll for the uh, upcoming, uh, what's going to be our next movie review one movie i won't say which one until you uh go look at the poll after you join the patreon uh is running away with it uh oh like and realize we put a poll up already oh yeah we put the poll yeah. up as soon as the last uh movie review episode went up uh that's right we, we did talk about that so we did yep. uh and uh one movie is running away with it so so for five dollars a month you can choose to torture us uh <laughs> yay yay uh, we'd also appreciate if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Silentone community on Facebook as well. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Ed- Edwards and Daniel Work, and folks find you at... They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, Lauren Work, and folks find you at... Uh, folks can find me on the Popular Court YouTube channel where I am watching the Wineborn playthrough because uh, time has no meaning anymore and I am reliving 2020. So back when Jake was in law school and playing Bloodborne for us on quarantine streams. Best time. YouTube.com slash the Popular Court, I believe, is is the <laughs> address. I think, we, I think so. We, we worked real hard to get that. Yeah. And then they remove their requirements. <laughs> Woo! And we still... But yeah, if you... It's a dead channel, you, but, we lo- but we'd but we love for you to go watch and us being silly assholes you, in the pandemic. I, I post one zombie cozy stream a year. I am keeping that channel alive. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the sinking ship that is Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's G-A-M-3-R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. <laughs>